back, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Goose in the Morning Show, your podcast about our favorite football simulation deep route. I'm your host, Coach Goose, otherwise known as Killer Goose. And it is September 18th. It's a Saturday, 8:10 in the morning, Central Time. And uh, right now, week nine is spinning in deep route land. So we are at the halfway point in the season, a little beyond the halfway point in the season. And uh, we, have, we, have a, we have a full agenda today. So we're going to talk about some storylines going around the season. There's been some rumors that the Outlaws have benched Stanley Ruiz. We're going to talk about that. There's some rumors about Gerald Conway, as well as some other things going on throughout the league. We're also going to review the playoff situation, touch base again. I had given a playoff situation kind of prediction based off of the division standings last week. So we're going to look at that, and uh, we're going to do some game reviews and and so on and so forth. It's going to be a fun episode. So, um, yeah. September 18th, it's my favorite time of the year. We're getting close to my favorite time of the year. Fall starts next week. We also roll our clocks back next week. Um, I went to the store the other day, and they had candy corn out, little candy pumpkins. They had some some bat-shaped Reese's, and it just warms my heart. You know, I love fall, and I love Halloween, and it's, it's funny because I don't even I don't participate in Halloween. I mean, I, I don't do any adult trick-or-treating. Um, I don't do costume parties. I, I've been to one, but it's not something that I normally do. Uh, I, I do partake in horror movies, generally. One of my favorite October pastimes is to watch The Thing. I watch it once a year, and I watch it in October. And to me, that's quite possibly the greatest horror movie of all time. I'm a huge John Carpenter fan. Um, my favorite movie of his is The Thing, and so I've made it a yearly tradition to watch it around Halloween. So, um, and it, I think the reason why I like Halloween so much is because of the time of year that it symbolizes. It, football season, it's fall, and most people that I know, some people will say summer is their favorite season. Most people that I know will say fall is their favorite season. It's nice and cool with pretty leaves, and you get to wear you get to wear sweaters and sweatshirts, but you don't have to really bundle up. I, I don't know. It's a great time of the year, and uh, and maybe that's why I like Halloween so much. Not necessarily because of the of, of the holiday itself, but the time of the year that it symbolizes. I do like Halloween decorations. I think pumpkins and and spooky stuff on houses is is pretty cool. So, I don't know. But I'm really excited. My mood is just getting better and better and better as it gets cooler and cooler and cooler outside. So, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. But it, it's going to be, hopefully it's going to be an awesome month. Like I've mentioned, I, I'm, I'm interviewing for a position right now. And if I get the position, I would be able to move back home and the... The hope is that we would be back uh, back in Oklahoma before Halloween. Um, it's the 18th. I have another interview on Monday. It's uh, it's going to be cutting close. We not we may not be able to make it back before Halloween. We may have to adjust that goal to be back before Thanksgiving. But we'll see how everything goes. Now, let's turn to Deep Route Land. Let's see what's going on in Deep Route Land. And as we begin, 
week nine just finished spinning. And so before we really start diving into things, I, I want to address a rumor that's been coming out of, uh, that's been coming out of Oklahoma. Um, at the halfway point in the season, we were, we were four and four and internally we had spoken about Stanley Ruiz's, uh, performance up until that point in the season. And uh, what that led to, for those who aren't aware, Stanley Ruiz is the is the is one of the Oklahoma outlaw quarterbacks, and uh, so we brought him into the office, and we just had a fairly candid conversation with him about where we were at in the season and the type of decision that we were getting ready to make. Uh, the, the the decision really being that we were we were considering benching him, and we didn't know if we were going to bench him for. Uh, Charles Robinson, who was already on the on the roster, or if we were going to go pick someone up off the street, and it, it led to a pretty tense conversation. Uh, it actually ended with a profanity laced tirade, and uh, you know, I, the main thing I want to say is everything's fine. Um, since then, Stanley and I have spoken, and we are on good terms. But at this point it should be very obvious that and that it's true that Stanley has been benched um here in Oklahoma this is our 12th 12th season I believe 12th or 13th season somewhere in that in that range um and every single quarterback that has started has that has been named a starter uh has gone on to have a Super Bowl appearance and so whenever it comes to quarterback play we have a fairly high standard that we've set for ourselves here um and Stanley was not playing up to that standard. And so we found ourselves in a predicament where we were facing a very real chance of, of elimination from the playoffs at an early point in the season, and the offense just wasn't clicking like it should under, under Stanley. So we made the decision to bench him. Um, we gave Charles Robinson the opportunity to take, the, take over the starting position ran a, a, a whole bunch of scrimmages and some specific situations and uh, came to the conclusion that Charles was not going to, he was not going to improve the offense. And so we went and looked uh, in the free agent pool and we actually found a guy that we liked, a, a very young quarterback, name's Mark Nidham. Um, so we brought Mark in for a tryout and he passed the tryout with flying colors. So we signed him. And we, we started running scrimmages and situational drills with him as well. And we found that we found that he was the data that we had collected suggested that he would outperform Stanley Ruiz. Uh, so we collected a sample size for each quarterback, for Charles, for Stanley, and for for Mark. We collected a sample size of roughly twelve hundred pass attempts. And we logged uh, what the yardage was, what their completion percentage was, what their yards per attempt was, the um, the raw number of touchdowns and interceptions. We logged touchdown percentage, interception percentage, uh, gave them a, a passer rate, just all the basic counting stats, essentially. Um, and we found that um, Mark outperformed Stanley in completion percentage, yards per attempt, raw touchdowns, touchdown percentage, um, and he had a better rating. Now, he did throw a few more interceptions, but uh, it wasn't a drastic amount. And uh, so, so we made the decision that we were going to pull Stanley. We were going to bench him for Mark. And Nidham has a really cool story. He's, a, he's an undrafted rookie out of, out of North Carolina. 
and he had very limited preseason action. So he was on the Pennsylvania Stabby Squirrels roster, and he played in one preseason game, attempted 20 passes, and it wasn't very successful, and uh, it looks like he was subsequently cut. So he's been on the street ever since then, and, um, you know, we'd had a... After the draft, we had brought in some some folks for uh, post-draft interviews and visits just to familiarize ourselves with the, what the uh, undrafted class looked like. And so we had actually brought him in. So we were somewhat familiar with him. He was impressive in the interview, well-spoken young man, um, and, and we liked his physical abilities. And so we were very familiar with him, um, but we were... We weren't necessarily looking for him when we went out to look for a quarterback. We were looking at, well, we, we did vet Arthur Arthur Martell, who is a former Outlaws quarterback. Uh, James Freed was another quarterback that we interviewed. And then as we were looking through the list, we came across his name again. And so we reviewed our notes, saw that we were impressed and we liked him. So we brought him back in for another interview. We liked him, took him in for a tryout. We liked him. And so uh, we signed him and, and began conducting our data gathering essentially and he's been he was named the starter and so week nine just spun and uh we traveled over to carlsbad california to play the uh the carlsbad urban night terrors and so this was going to be his first ever professional action um at least for at least in the regular season and uh, on the road against a uh cross-conference opponent and he played fantastically. I mean, he played just like we have seen in our uh, in our in our scrimmages, and and, and you know, he, he played as the data suggested he would. Uh, completed about fifty eight percent of his passes. That's a little low for what we were seeing, um, but well over three hundred yards. He threw for three touchdowns, um, eighty eight quarterback rating great yards per attempt. He, he played very well, and we won 30-21. to 21. We pulled out the victory, and this victory was essential um, because we are up against a we are up against Memphis for the last wild card spot. And so we actually re- recovered that last wild card spot. The uh, London Queens guard had taken it from us. They lost today. We won, and we currently have a divisional tiebreaker over Memphis. And so right now the Outlaws are in that last wild card spot, but we have a we have a very big matchup coming against Memphis, and so we're going to have to lean on Item again in order to uh, in order to try to secure our wild card spot. But it, just a just a great story. He had a uh, he was a four year starter at North Carolina. He started as a true freshman, didn't redshirt. True freshman came in, and his first two seasons were. Um, nothing to write home about, really. I mean, they were fairly pedestrian. And then his third season, he broke out and played very, very well and was a was projected to be... He wasn't projected to be a first-round pick or a second-round pick, but he was looking at a third- or fourth-round selection. He decided to come back for his senior season. He wanted to make a big bowl game and, and really put a stamp on his career at North Carolina. And uh, in the middle of his senior season, he actually was injured. And uh, he uh, had a knee injury, took him out for the season. His stock uh, dropped, and it saw him be undrafted. Uh, He left North Carolina as the all-time touchdowns leader, passing yards leader, pretty much every major passing record you can think of at North Carolina. He left with those records, despite missing 
half of his senior season. So um, we like his ability. We, we like what he can do. And we're very, very pleased to have him as our starting quarterback. But I just wanted to touch base and let everybody know that the rumors are true. Stanley Ruiz has been benched. Mark Knightum is currently the starting quarterback for the Outlaws. Very impressive first performance, and, and hopefully he can continue following it up. And, and there's not going to be, again, there's no bad blood with Stanley. It's a, it's, a, it's a contract year, so he was going out there, and maybe he was trying to force things a little much, um, trying to make some passes that he probably shouldn't be trying to make in order to make bigger plays, and it just wasn't working out in his favor. So uh, it's ongoing discussions as far as the contract goes. We're not sure if we're going to re-sign him or if we're just going to let him walk in the offseason. That's uh, that's going to take some time to figure out, but um, just wanted to let everybody, let everybody know that there's no bad blood. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about some happenings in Week 9. And I want to begin with the absolute domination of the River Sticks Reapers by the Memphis Pharaohs. Um, early on in the season, a lot of people really counted out Memphis. They started off 0-3, and there were some really frustrating losses in there. To be honest with you, in our first game, whenever we played Memphis, from a purely from a yardage standpoint, they dominated us. Um I think what there were a couple things that went our way. Uh, they they were very bad on fourth down, and uh, I think they didn't convert a single fourth down. Maybe they were over on on fourth down. And Arthur Hack intercepted Gerald Conway for a ninety-two yard pick six, and so um, that seven points actually proved to be the difference. It wasn't that play, but it was a seven-point difference. Oklahoma walked away with a thirty-eight thirty-one win. And uh, they started off 0-3. Since then, they have gone 5-1. and And Conway has really opened up. He's really settled into that offense over there in Memphis. Um, he's averaging over 400 yards in those six games, 20 touchdowns, um, two interceptions. And he absolutely dominated an elite defense in River Sticks today. River Sticks was giving up 13.5 points per game coming into this contest and uh, Memphis dropped 41 on them this was this was a 41 20 victory by Memphis Conway went in and threw for 420 yards five touchdowns he did throw an interception but they walked away with a blowout in River Sticks this was in the interdimensional realm of uh, of River Sticks and uh, a very very impressive road win by Coach Johnny and Memphis. And, um, you know, I, I said earlier I wanted to talk about some of the rumors regarding Conway, and that was around the, the, that opening three-week stretch. There was a lot, of, a lot of chatter, a lot of chatter coming from unnamed sources that Conway was unhappy with what was going on in Memphis, and uh, he wanted more control over the offense. I, I don't know what happened there. I'm sure there was some kind of internal discussion with Coach Johnny, between Coach Johnny and Conway. But there is a very stark um, shift in, in, in the way things have gone uh, since week three, week four. Um, the offense has really opened up. Conway is looking like himself again, very comfortable back in the pocket, throwing lasers all over the field. I mean, there's no area of the field he's not going to attack you on. And uh, so 
All of that to say, there was a lot of chatter about Conway being unhappy, and I don't see it. You know, maybe, yes, sure, at that time, um, he might have been unhappy. There might have been some some conversations that needed to happen. But you, you have to realize, these guys are professionals. And um, generally, whenever you start hearing these reports about somebody being unhappy, they're, they're wanting to initiate a conversation, and it may not have even been framed in the way that you are hearing it. You know, things can be taken out of context completely. Uh, I'll tell you this, when I watch Memphis games, I don't see an unhappy Conway. Even early on, I didn't really see an unhappy Conway. Now, did I see a frustrated Conway? Sure, because things weren't going their way. But it was week three. I mean, you have to take these things with a grain of salt and let them play out. You have to get a bigger sample size. And uh, Conway doesn't seem unhappy to me at all. He's putting up another fantastic season. I mean, it's week nine. He has 30 touchdowns. Um, so he's he's on pace to break the 50 touchdown barrier and uh I, I don't I don't know if he's gonna be in in MVP contention this year he could be uh but he's having that kind of he's having that caliber of season so uh, basically what I'm saying is don't believe what you hear because Memphis is rolling right now there's a big matchup coming up tomorrow between Oklahoma and Memphis so you're gonna have Conway and Knightum duking it out um uh, that's going to be a tough one to call because whereas the Memphis offense has been absolutely rolling over these last six weeks, uh, Oklahoma's defense has kind of been reeling. Oklahoma is not playing tough defense right now, and that is um, it's a bit scary if you're an Oklahoma Outlaws fan. You know, Today they won. They scored 30 points, but Carlsbad dropped 21 on them. And if you look at the advanced numbers posted by, posted by Foster – it doesn't look favorably on the Oklahoma defense either. The last I checked, they were the 25th ranked defense. Um, if you go by raw counting numbers, they may be around that as well from a points per game perspective. Uh, and I think I think a lot of it really comes from lack of pass rush. We, we've got two young defensive tackles in the middle there, so we're not really getting a big push when it comes to pass rush. Um, so all of that to say is that this could be a big game for – this could be a statement game for Memphis. Um, they would take control of that wild card spot if they were to win tomorrow. It is in Oklahoma, I believe. Let's check that. Uh, where are we at? Yeah, okay. Yep, so it's in Oklahoma. Um, so we, we will have the home field advantage. But that, again, this is, this is a very, this is a red hot Memphis team coming into Oklahoma. It'll be interesting to see the betting lines come out. That's probably going to be the game of the week from Coach Johnny's perspective. I'm interested to see the betting lines. I'm interested to see the prediction. Uh, Oklahoma historically has had a hard time stopping Conway. So we'll see. But huge game with, with, uh, with massive playoff ramifications. Moving on, folks, we've got to look at this. Dallas against Nashville. Ah, Dallas dropped 66 points. Just pitiful. And listen, I understand that Dallas has dropped some 60 burgers on, on several folks, but this is just ridiculous. 66-19 um, to 19 was the final, and uh, the only reason it was 19 is because Dallas' uh, defense put in their backups for the third and the fourth quarter. At that point, it was 45 to nothing, 45 to nothing at halftime. They put in their backups in the, in the second half, and uh, 
let him score 19. Uh, Daryl Smith finished 42 of 52 for 468 yards, six touchdowns on the day. Um, and it was just a nightmare for Shane Kerr, the, uh, the, the Steelers quarterback. He finished 12 of 19 for 144 yards. Uh, didn't turn the ball. Well, no, he did. He lost a fumble. He didn't throw an interception. Threw one touchdown. He was sacked six times. He had to scramble out of the pocket 13 times. Just uh, just pure domination. Um, wow. And this is... This is Dallas in Super Bowl form. Okay, so in order to play, in order to play with Dallas, you've got to be on the top of your game. Uh, Biggie hasn't been doing that, and as a matter of fact, there's been a little bit of a scandal with Biggie here in the in the recent months around the way that he's handled his roster. Um, so uh, that that roster mismanagement really shows today. I mean, this is just completely outmatched. Nashville was completely outmatched. And uh, Coach PSU, Coach Williams, Daryl Smith really let him have it. Just an ugly, ugly game. Uh, not much else to say about that one. It was really not. I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to run through the highlight re- uh, highlight film um, or the highlight reel of the game and just watch Daryl Smith running around throwing touchdowns. He is an impressive quarterback. I think I've spoken about him on a on a prior episode. He's mobile. He can run around and escape the pocket and and just throw lasers all over the field. There was one particular pass in this game where Smith was able to escape the pocket and uh, they, they were it, it was I don't remember if it was a down and goal or um, if they might have been they they were they were well into the red zone. I mean they were close to scoring anyways and Smith escaped the pocket and he just hit a highlight worthy no look pass uh, just a strike into the end zone touchdown touchdown just awesome um really talented quarterback there was also another play just kind of a <laughs> I guess a busted coverage Smith dumped it off to, to Leavenworth and uh Leavenworth trucked down the field 70 yards 70 yard touchdown it was a he might have thrown it at the line of scrimmage. It wasn't very far down the field, um, just to, just a dump off. And Leverworth was able to take it all the way for the touchdown. I mean, just full of full of highlights if, if you really want to find them. Just a methodical and uh, methodical whooping of Nashville by Dallas. Just absolutely ridiculous. Come on, Nashville. You've got to be better than that. Whew. All right, all right. Let, let's move away from the blowouts for a second. Um, we, we spoke about the, the Memphis blowout of River Sticks. We spoke about the annihilation of the Steelers at the hands of the Dallas Cyberpunks. Let's look at a game that was actually interesting until the very end, and, and this game is going to be the Long Beach Poly Jackrabbits versus the Blue Bay Bonk Dogs. Blue Bay has been a wonderful story this season. Uh, for the past several seasons, they have been a subpar team they have not had much success and then they have come out of nowhere they've risen from the ashes this season and they are one of the top teams in the league so far one of the strongest teams in the league so far and uh, they were going they were traveling to California Long Beach and they were playing the Jackrabbits and they lost this was a 27-21 victory for Long Beach Poly and it was at the hands of their defense they intercepted um, they, they intercepted Blue Bay quarterback Clawwater four times. And really, Blue Bay, Blue Bay had a chance at the end to, to really win it. Um, just a classic two-minute drive. Put the, hands in the, put, put the ball in the hands of your quarterback. 
and they were had a, they had a third and in inches at the uh, at the Long Beach thirty four, and at this point they were down twenty one twenty seven, so they they needed a touchdown, and uh, this was very obvious four down territory for them. And so the call that was made was they were going to be aggressive. They were going to throw one towards the end zone. And the idea was, hey, let's throw one towards the end zone. If we don't get it, it's still a fourth and inches, and we like our chance to convert on a fourth and inches. So Clawwater threw it, and he didn't see the free safety lurking back there. And the free safety was able to jump it and pick it off to secure the victory for Long Beach Poly. And... It was just a back and forth game, a really interesting game, especially if you're a if you're a defensive fan, if you like watching big defensive turnovers, this was a game that would have you would have loved. Um, like I mentioned, there was there was four interceptions by the Long Beach Poly defense, um, two forced fumbles, good special teams play. Uh, the Blue Bay pass rush was getting after Long Beach Poly quarterback Trenton Bechtold. Just just a just a really great game to watch, and you know, I watched the, I watched the post game interview with Robert Clawwater, the Blue Bay quarterback, and I have to say he, he's he's a really impressive guy. Uh, he's a younger guy. He's twenty six. This is his, uh, this is his fourth season. He was a mid round draft pick out of Wisconsin, if if I'm remembering correctly, and he was just, uh, he was just eaten alive. I mean, you could just tell that it, it would it would just it bothered him down to his core. And and those are the kind of guys that, that you want to have on your football team that, that get pissed off and want to be a, a, a perfectionist almost. And, and he was speaking pretty candidly in, in this interview talking about how the reason they lost was his fault. He turned the ball over four times and it was just, you could feel the pain in his voice because this is a team that for years people have overlooked. Nobody's Nobody's ever considered Blue Bay a, a, a legitimate threat to do anything. Um, and, and here they are. They're coming out. They're shocking the world. They've had some very strong victories. And uh, they had a chance to, to keep the train rolling today. And and, uh, and he was really beating himself up because of the turnovers. And just a well-spoken guy. Um, I think he has a bright future in this league. I like the physical capabilities that he possesses. Uh, he's really showed a strong command of the offense since he's since he's taking over. Since he's taken over, he has he was a starter I think in his second season, and he didn't have a whole bunch of success. So he was benched for his third season. Then he's re regained the starting position this season, and he has really run away with it, playing strong football. And um, you could tell that he was out of everybody. I mean, I know fans are are probably upset and coaches have some things that they want to correct, but nobody is going to be more upset about this performance than Robert Clawwater. And I think he has a bright future in the league. I mean, he's still he's he's just now hitting his prime and uh if if this season is any indi- any indication of the kind of roster that coach Inset has built, then then Blue Bay is going to have some um they're going to be causing some problems for several seasons. And I think that at the core of that, it's going to be Robert Clawwater. And so, impressive young man. It didn't work out for them today, uh, but they've had a fantastic season. And, uh, you know, just he has to move on. I mean, it's one of those things that you'll, you'll hear it when you talk, when, when commentators will talk about the NFL. And I think the same thing will go for, for any type of football. You have to have a short memory. And so him going out there and throwing four interceptions, he can't think about that last that, that next week, because let's say that 
next week comes and there's a situation that, that comes up where he needs to be aggressive and he needs to try to fit a ball into a window or he needs to try to push the ball down the field and he, and he hesitates on pulling that trigger because of what happened today. That hesitation can be just as bad as, as turning the ball over. You can leave plays on the field. So he has to just go out there and do what he's been doing and things are going to work out just fine. It was just a great... It was just a great day by the Long Beach defense. And something sometimes the the best answer that you can give or receive is, hey, sometimes your opponent just has a really good day. And that was today. That was today for Long Beach. But I like Blue Bay. I think they are a I think they're an up and coming team. And I think that they have been very impressive this season. Um I, I love how they've been I love how they've been playing I love the roster that's been constructed down there by inset and I'm looking forward to watching more of their young talented quarterback and the rest of this roster next we are going to talk about the Pennsylvania stabby squirrels and Montreal a real nail biter if you are a megalodons fan um took a 10 point effort in the fourth quarter by the Montreal offense to pull this one out. It was a 20 to 17 victory in favor of Montreal. Um, pretty wild fourth quarter, really. So, um, going into the fourth quarter, Montreal was down 17 to 10 and, uh, they were able to tie it up on a touchdown pass by Gordon Davis, the reigning MVP. And then after that, it got a little squirrely. So, Pennsylvania defense really kind of stiffened up, but Montreal on, on one of the drives late in the fourth quarter, they were able to drive down and get into field goal range, and it was a short, it was a short field goal. Um, they were kicking from the 16, so it would have been a 35, 36 yarder, and it was no good. It went wide left, and so that left Montreal tied 17 to 17, and probably gave a an unnecessary amount of anxiety to all Montreal fans as Pennsylvania took over the ball. They weren't able to do anything with their drive, and then thankfully Montreal was able to drive right back down and kick the go-ahead field goal to win the game. Um, definitely a big scare if you're a Montreal fan. And one of the other things that came out of this game that really has to upset you is the fact that Arthur Harwell left guard for the Megalodons, was carted off the field earlier in the game. Um, broken fibula is the official diagnosis. He is done for the season. And so this is something to keep your eye on um, as, the, as the season progresses because right now Montreal is already down a tackle. So they're missing a starting caliber tackle. They're missing a starting caliber guard. And uh, really getting into the meat of the season as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. So some... Uh, some offensive line turmoil in Montreal for a team that typically fields one of the top offensive lines in the league. Uh, so really disappointing to see that Arthur is a very talented player. Um, been in the league. This is his fifth year. And uh, he gave up six sacks last season, but he's been playing very strong this year. He's, he's not yet charged with a sack. And very, very disappointing to see him go down. Um, but... Montreal, it, that offensive line coach down there, he, he knows talent. He finds talent. And so I, I certainly trust them to be able to repair and, and patch these holes that they, they currently have in the line. And then when you're, when you're contending with a quarterback like Gordon Davis, you're always 
you're always going to be in trouble. Gordon Davis is going to keep them in games that they, that they may not even – they shouldn't even be in. I mean, that's the kind of caliber of player he is. Um, it's a strong roster. He's a strong quarterback, and uh, he's mobile enough. He can he can make he can make plays when things break down. He'll be able to keep them in games that they that they probably shouldn't be in. And so this isn't a team that I'm going to doubt. But if you are a Montreal fan, it has to be disappointing to watch uh, another offensive lineman, especially one the caliber of Arthur Harwell, go down. We're going to talk about one last game before we start getting into the divisional reviews and checking on who's looking to make the playoffs, what the divisional movement has looked like. And, and this game is going to be the Washington Qs versus the San Francisco Spartans because this was a fairly mighty upset. Um, San Francisco has a, uh, or had, a hold of that division. And um, with this loss, it, it, it makes things a little bit more interesting. Washington blew out San Francisco. It wasn't particularly close, 30-13. to 13. And it was really done on the back of the running game, the Washington running game. Bussy and Leary combined for nearly 140 yards. Uh, Washington did, did a good job of limiting the attempts for Clinton Carlos. Last time we had spoken about Washington, we were talking about Edwin Little and how I was unsure if Little was the guy. Uh, he is out for the season with an injury. And so that has forced, uh, that has forced Clinton Carlos to take over the starting spot. And... He was able to get the job done today against San Francisco, and it was it was a really strong defensive performance, which shouldn't surprise you. Coming from Washington, they were able to just nullify anything that um, that San Francisco wanted to do. Palmer Townsley really looked flustered, um, looked frustrated throughout the game. They got after him a little bit. They were able to sack him twice. And uh, he just wasn't able to find the targets that he was that, that he was trying to find. He didn't turn the ball over. Um, but there just wasn't anything there for him to attack down the field. And they were just really aggressive on third down. San Francisco was 4 of 13 on third down. Washington was 10 of 17. San Francisco only had the ball for 23 minutes. And so Washington did a great job of playing keep away and limiting the opportunities that San Francisco had to go down the field and, and score points. So, um, I, you know, we're going to get into this as we go into the divisional uh, the divisional reviews. I still think San Francisco has a hold of that division. Um, I've spoken at length about how I feel about Palmer Townsley. But these are the kind of games that if you're a San Francisco fan, they have to pull these out. There has to be some kind of consistency. And the offensive play calling at times today was, I think, maybe a little bit on the conservative side. You know, I, I think I spoke about this last time where uh, there are some fourth downs that they should be going for, and they're just they're not taking advantage of those. And you have a Ferrari at quarterback there. You have a world class quarterback. You have to let him. You have to let him have those opportunities to make plays. They went for one today. They did get it. Uh, but when you're in a situation where you're just getting dominated on on third downs. You have to try to take advantage of some of those fourth down situations that you're faced with. And, and and San Francisco just isn't doing that right now. Especially as the game goes on and you find yourself in a growing deficit. There was a point in this game where San Francisco was down 20-7. to seven. And uh, up until that point, they'd had a few fourth and fours, fourth and sixes, and, and, situation, and down and distance situations that I think would have been favorable 
for them to try to go for it. Um, especially when you start, when, when you get into the, the awkward zone of, of your opponent's territory where you might find yourself in a fourth and six on the opponent 42. To me, that's a go-for-it situation. Or a fourth and four at, at your own 49. To me, that's a go-for-it situation as well. And so as that deficit grows, you, you need to find yourself becoming maybe a little bit more loose or aggressive with your tendency to go for it. So that's one thing that I would really like to see San Francisco do. They have the talent on that roster and you know, I'm nitpicking them. They're having a better season than I am. They're guaran- I, I think they're guaranteed a playoff spot, essentially, unless there's a major injury to someone like Palmer Townsley. But I'm just trying to point out that th- these are the kind of games that, that they can't drop. Washington has already resigned their playoff chances. They are playing young guys. Um, they've got backups in throughout the roster. And you, you, while Coach Foster... Is, is very talented. He's a good coach. This is a team that has kind of waved the white flag. And so for your for your championship pr- prospects especially, you can't drop these games. You've got to be a little bit more aggressive if, if, if I'm being honest with you. And uh, I just want to see them succeed. I, I like Coach Spartan. I like the Spartans. They're a, they're a strong team. I have a long history of playing them for several seasons in a row uh, early when I came into the league. Uh, we started off the season by playing San Francisco, um, and they've always provided strong back-and-forth games, just a fun team to play. I just want to see them succeed. I want to see Palmer Townsley succeed, and uh, I know they have the roster to do it. I just want to see a little bit more aggressiveness. So all of that being said, we are now going to switch gears, and we're going to talk about the divisional reviews, and we're going to look at who is locking up their division and guaranteeing themselves a playoff spot, as well as looking at some of the races that are going to be more inter- that are going to be more interesting as the season progresses. As always, we're going to begin with the AFC East. I mentioned this a minute ago, but I think San Francisco still has a hold of that division, but it could get interesting. So Chickshalub is currently slotted in to one of the wild card spots. Both teams lost today, and they have another matchup in week 13 that's really going to dictate um, or could potentially dictate what's going to go on in that division. I think San Francisco has it. I do think Chick Shalub is likely going to take one of the wild card spots. I think the AFC East is going to send a wild card team to the playoffs. I think it'll be Chick Shalub, um, but I'm picking San Francisco to win that division. Long Beach Poly mathematically isn't out um, with their... um, with their victory today, it really helps them. They would need some help, so Chickshalub would have to go on a slide, and and Long Beach would have to go on a tear. But mathematically, they're not out. They are still they're still in the race, and they do have a talented roster. Uh, but from the AFC East, give me San Francisco and the Chickshalub Rainbow Raptors. Moving on to the AFC North, Montreal has this division locked up with a vice grip. Um, they're eight and one. And um, I don't see them relinquishing control of the division anytime soon. Uh, London Queens Guard is an interesting team. They're five and four. They're playing a little better than, than most people expected them, at least from a record standpoint. But they uh, look at their point differential. They've scored 164 points. They've given up 227. Um, I, I haven't seen enough to believe that this team is real yet. I, I think that they've. 
I think that they've escaped some really close games um, with 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 the W, but I don't think they're I don't think they're quite yet, there yet. I don't think they're going to be able to steal away a wild card spot from anyone else in the AFC. Uh, this division's pretty straightforward. Montreal, I think, is going to win that division. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised to see Prospero take the um, the second place spot within the division from London Queens Guard. I think that Prospero is a better team. I think Baltimore is a better coach, and uh, there's just there's more data there to suggest that that team is 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 uh, um, playing better football right now than than London. So give me Montreal winning the division, Prospero in second place, London in third, and then Oklahoma City rounding out the bottom of the AFC North, AFC South. Kind of a similar situation. Canada has that division locked up with a vice grip. They're seven and two. North Franklin nullification is in second place at four and five. And this has been a team that I really like. Um, I, 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 I might've even said before the season, but I think North Franklin could, could potentially compete for a playoff spot. I thought they could compete for a playoff spot last year. They have talent on that roster. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me to see them at uh, at the second place spot. And really by SRS, they're not bad. They're, they're roughly an average team. Um, they've had a little bit of a a tougher schedule. That whole division has had a pretty tough go of it when it comes to scheduling. Um, but Constance, a good coach, North Franklin, I think is a talented team. They're just, they're, they're not having the breaks go their way. So Kanata is going to win this. They're going to go to the playoffs. There's not going to be a a wild card team come out of this division. North Franklin will be in second, second Buffalo, I think is going to remain at third and Fort Wayne is going to finish the division fourth. Last but not least in the AFC, we're going to talk about the AFC West. And uh, just like every other division, I guess aside from the AFC East, um, but like most divisions in the AFC, this division is locked up by Dallas. They are 9-0. and They are the, um, this season, them and Montreal are the cream of the crop whenever it comes to the AFC. And they are going to bring home another divisional title. This division is going to send a wild card team to the playoffs, but it's unclear as to who it's going to be. You have the Oklahoma Outlaws and the Memphis Pharaohs uh, that I believe are going to take that last wild card spot. And there's a huge matchup going on tomorrow that's really going to um, potentially shift the tide either one way or another. Um, if, if Oklahoma wins, then they have a. Uh, then, then we have a significant advantage whenever it comes to the playoff positions um, or the playoff situation. Uh, but if Memphis wins, it could really muddy things up. They would take over the uh, they would take over the wild card spot. I would drop to third. Um, but there's still plenty of football left. We would have six games left to, to where one of us could slip up and um, and give the give the wild card right back. So tomorrow is a huge game for playoff implications in the AFC, AFC West particularly. Uh, but I think Dallas is going to win. It's hard for me to pick between Oklahoma and Memphis. Uh, I think Amarillo will finish the season at the bottom. Um, and so it's really going to come down to Oklahoma and Memphis and the game tomorrow. Moving over to the NFC, the NFC East is just a what a mess of a division. Um, we're running into a situation just like last season where every team has a losing record. Um, right now, Las Vegas is at the top of the division. They have a 4-5 and five record. Pennsylvania and West Lafayette are tied at 3-6. and six. And then Leonia is coming in with a um, pretty standard, terrible season. Uh, they're 2-7, and seven, one of the worst teams in the league. Um, 
I thought they were turning it around a few seasons ago, but that looks to be a mirage. They're just uh, – Leonia just can't put it together. So they're going to finish the – I think one thing is for certain, Leonia is going to finish the season at the bottom of the division. Uh, that's I feel pretty strongly about that pick. Um, as far as who's going to win the division, I think Las Vegas won it last season. Um, going by SRS, Las Vegas is the best team in the division. So I'm going to take Las Vegas to win the division and go to the playoffs. And uh, Pennsylvania and West Lafayette are, are going to be going back to the drawing board and preparing for draft season. The NFC North. Well, Verdin has this seat, has this division locked up, but Blue Bay is a very interesting wild card team. You know, we spoke about how how well Blue Bay is playing this season, and I think they're a four real team. You know, looking at their schedule, they've played a, a slightly below average schedule, um, but they have had some very convincing victories. They're six and three. Verdin is eight and one. Um, I don't think Blue Bay has. I don't think Blue Bay can beat Verdin. And that's really why I'm I'm picking Verdin to um, to win the division. I don't think Blue Bay is quite that good, but they're good enough that I think they're going to finish out their their schedule strong, and they're going to take one of those wild card spots. So give me Verdin um, with Blue Bay taking a wild card. Washington and Hartford are going to go into the offseason looking to patch some holes and make some improvements to their roster. The NFC South. Freight train has the division locked up. Uh, River Sticks is right now out of the playoffs, and they might find themselves out of the playoffs um, if if they can't get things turned around. Right now, they're fighting with Blue Bay for that last wild card spot. River Sticks is five and four. Blue Bay is six and three. Um, so they're going to have to hope that Blue Bay slips up somewhere along the line, and they can take that playoff spot away from them. Um, they're not going to be able to come back and catch Freight Train. So I'm taking Freight Train to win the division. River Sticks is going to be fighting for that last wild card spot, and I don't believe they're going to get it. Um, so give me, just give me Freight Train. I'm just picking Freight Train to go to the playoffs from this division. And last but not least, we have the NFC West. Richmond and Reddick are duking it out for the division. I picked Reddick to win the division last time we spoke, last weekend. Um, I still feel good about that prediction, but it's going to be close. Right now, Richmond is leading. They are 8-1. Reddick is 7-2. I'm still taking Reddick, but this is, uh, this is a matchup between two top-flight teams, and you really can't go wrong with picking either one of them. Um, they're going to have a very big matchup coming up here, uh, here as we get later into the season. And... Um, Give me Reddick. I'm going to take Reddick to win the division, Richmond to go to the playoffs as a wild card, and then, uh, man, yeah, even a team like Midwest. Midwest is a really talented team. They're going to miss the playoffs, unfortunately, um, unless they can maybe steal the last wild card spot from Blue Bay. That's always a that's always a, an option. There could be a scenario where um, Midwest takes the final playoff spot from Blue Bay. So, Pay attention to the NFC West because they have they are loaded with talent in that division. Um, and then Austin's gonna yeah finish out the the division at the bottom. So that is it. That is all we have to talk about today. Um, I hope you enjoyed the hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you go out and enjoy some college football today. Get ready for some NFL football tomorrow, and uh, have a wonderful weekend. I mean. Everywhere that I've uh, around the country, we seem to be having pretty decent weather. 
Um, aside from the fires burning over in the west, that's uh, absolutely awful. Um, and uh, I guess the hurricane hitting down in the south, maybe the weather isn't as good as I thought it was. But at least around here, we have decent weather. And I um, hope everybody gets out and enjoys their weekend. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I will be talking to you next week.